Well, we are in week number three of this series, um, and I've been excited about it. Uh, We have said that God has given us, by his design, responsibility, and he also gives us the ability to handle and take care of those responsibilities. And then he does something pretty special. (laughs) He holds us accountable for what happens with the responsibilities that he's handed us. That is the creative order of things. But now into the mix, we have to add this new thing called sin. (laughs) So sin comes in and kind of gets all mixed up with all this, but God still hands us responsibilities and he still gives us the ability to take care of them and he still expects us to handle those responsibilities and He still expects us, even though we have a sin problem, he still expects us to manage our lives. There's two types of people we talked about last week. We said last week there are people who take responsibility for their lives, and there are people who do not take responsibility for their lives. When we don't take responsibility for our lives, we always have a reason. Well, the reason is there's always a reason, always an excuse, or the ability to blame someone else. But Even if we make an excuse of here is why I did not take responsibility for my life, here is why it is someone else's fault, whatever it is, if we make an excuse, we are still left with the same results, the same mess. We just feel like we've excused ourselves out of it. Now, as we go about our lives at work and in our family, it is so easy for us to look at other people and to spot irresponsibility. We can spot it. We can point it out if we want to. We can gather with other people and talk about their irresponsibility. It is so easy for us to spot irresponsibility around us, but it is so difficult to spot irresponsibility in the mirror. (laughs) That's tough. We almost can't do it. In 2002, there were two, uh, two teenage girls who sued McDonald's for making them fat. They really did. Federal judge ruled about the McDonald's hamburgers. The federal judge in that case, he dismissed the case because he said, in his words, it would spawn an untold number of Mc lawsuits. (laughs) He really said that. But then he went on to say, where should the line be drawn between an individual's own responsibility to take care of herself and society's responsibility to ensure that others shield her. That's pretty insightful. You see, we have a fundamental problem in human nature. We all have it. We fail to take responsibility for our own lives, and we shift that responsibility by blaming other people. We shift that responsibility to other people. But that still doesn't change the results. We are still stuck with the reality of our choices, even if we blame someone else or even if we excuse it away. We're still stuck with the reality. And most of the time, God allows us to experience the rewards of our choices. Whether those rewards of our choices are positive or negative, Most of the time, he allows us to experience that, whatever it is. But you know what? The evil one, man, he's tricky. 
Part of the evil one's temptation is this. He's going to be like, okay, Harley, go ahead, go ahead. It's going to be okay. Go ahead and be irresponsible. Go ahead, Harley. Be irresponsible. You can be stupid right now. It's okay. God will bail you out. He'll take care of it. He'll bail you out. When the evil one tempted Jesus, when uh, we have that recorded in, in the Gospels, when the evil one tempted Jesus, he even tried to use that on Jesus. He was like, go ahead, Jesus, jump off of this precipice here. Jump off. God's going to save you. He's going to have, you don't have to worry about it. And you can take a shortcut here, jump off, be irresponsible, jump off. God will save you. <laughs> that was the temptation. He still uses it today, one of many. Now, we started this passage last week, and we're going to be in the same passage today. The passage is in Galatians chapter 6. It's written a letter that was written by this guy named Paul, who was, in my opinion, one of the most amazing followers of Jesus ever. Um, and, uh, and like he would say, I believe like Ronnie said, that he is of no count. Anything good in his life is all from God. And, and as I look at that, I'm like, yeah, yeah it, Paul was an amazing guy. God did some amazing things through him. In Galatians 6, Paul basically tells us, um, we started around verse 4, and we'll get to the passage in just a moment. I just kind of want to catch you up with what he said last week. The basics of what he said last week, Paul was saying this. He's saying, listen, quit comparing yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself and say, hey, they have it so much easier than I have it. Why is that? You know, they have it easier than me. Or, or um, they're better at something. They got more than their fair share. Or maybe I'm better than they are. He said, quit comparing yourself to other people. Instead, you need to focus. This is what Paul is saying. You need to focus on what God has placed as your responsibility. Focus on your responsibilities, not on their responsibilities. Focus on yours. And he used a phrase in the English, one of the English translations translated it like this. Paul said, you must carry your own load, your load. And that's what you need to carry. Whatever God has placed as responsibilities on your plate, that's what you need to carry. It is God's design. So it works better every time. Carry your own load your responsibilities. Take care of your responsibilities. Now, to help us to move into today's portion of that same text, um, I want to talk about something for just a moment. I want to talk about the law of motion, all right? It's a real thing. You can look it up, the law of motion. Um, it goes way back, way back to the 1600s when they kind of figured this out. Uh, and here's basically what the law of motion says. It says an object will remain at rest or in a uniform state of motion until or unless that state is changed by an external force. Now, this law of motion was first proposed by Galileo. You've heard of him because of uh, Queen Galileo. Yeah. Um, in 1610... Uh, and by the end of 1610, he proposed that. And then this law of motion was then later published by Sir Isaac Newton. Yep, that's the apple on the head guy. In 1687, the law of motion. So here's what that law of motion means. Basically, this baseball in my hand is going to stay just like that at rest unless something happens to change that. 
And one thing that could happen to change that would be I could pick up this baseball and uh, like Ronnie showed me this morning and set up for a curveball. <laughs> I could um, pick up this baseball, and that's what actually Carson, uh, today, I was kind of hoping he was going to be here. He is actually playing, I think it's his last college uh, uh, tournament to, uh, this weekend, and he is doing that today. He is a pitcher. If he were to pick up this baseball, um, and he were to throw this baseball, to pitch this baseball, it is going to sail through the air. How many times out of 10 times that he throws this baseball or pitches it, how many times is it going to leave his hand and sail through the air out of 10? Not a trick question. Oh, yes, I heard it. 10. 10 times out of 10, when he pitches the baseball, it is going to sail through the air. That's the law of motion. It's going to happen every single time. He doesn't have to say, okay, uh, let me pause here. And before every pitch, pray, God, not sure what's going to happen here. Um, but I really could use for my <laughs> last college tournament here, I, I really could use some help. As I throw this, would you actually make it sell through the air? No, it's going to happen. It's the law of motion. It's going to happen. Now, when he throws that pitch, at some point, let's just say he's throwing it to someone else. Uh, at some point, there are other forces involved, and that ball is going to sail through the air for a period of time. But if nobody catches it on the other end, you know what's going to happen? It's going to slowly make its way down to the ground, right? That's gravity. And depending on how much wind and, and, and even the resistance of air, those outside forces are going to cause it to maybe hit the ground a little sooner, and eventually it's going to roll to a stop. It's not going to keep going, is it? It's going to roll to a stop. That's the law of motion. And that law of motion has happened. It happened way before Galileo figured it out at the, by the end of 1610. Way before that. It was going on when God set the world in place at creation. He set in place the law of motion. So before anyone ever understood what that law was or, or, or could describe it, it was working in this universe. It was at work in this universe before anyone could ever figure it out, understand it. Even if they said, no, it doesn't exist, it still existed. Or if they didn't know it existed and they were just living their lives, it still existed, the law of motion. All right. So this ball will sail through the air every single time I throw it. No exceptions. It's going to happen. Now, there's another law at work. That's the law of motion. There's another law that is at work, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we even know it or not. There's another law. There are many, but I want to just talk about one. There's another law at work. Now, the passage we started last week, I want to continue. So basically, Paul said, listen, whatever responsibilities are on your plate, carry that load. Take care of your responsibilities. Take care of your responsibilities. And then he goes on to say this in verse 7. Don't be misled, he says. You cannot mock the justice of God. Now, here's what Paul is saying. 
Paul, this, this is so, so important. He's saying God cannot be outsmarted. He can't be outwitted. He can't be outplayed. It's not survivor. This can't happen with God. God is not playing a game with us. Now, we may have been able to outsmart, outwit, and outplay our parents or our teachers or the policeman or our boss or maybe even a wife or a husband or a friend. We can outsmart, outplay someone else. And maybe with our parents, we could even maybe we kind of had it figured out where we knew we could do some irresponsible things and make some bad decisions up to a point because we knew our parents might come along and help us or clean up the mess for us. We could. You've heard of street smarts, right? Yeah, we, we learned those early, usually in preschool, honestly. And we began to learn how to work our parents and how to work the situation where we can get some of our irresponsibility covered by other people. But Paul is warning us, we will never outsmart or outplay God. And we've tried to. Haven't we, honestly? Sometimes if you, let's say you grew up in church, we were always on the lookout for that thing we could use you know, kind of against God, but in our favor. We have ways that we try to outplay God. So maybe we claim a passage of scripture and it might look like, okay, I, I can make some irresponsible decisions in my life because look what the Bible says here. Maybe your passage was this. If you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you're like, yes, that's a good one. I can do what I want and God's going to forgive it. Just got to ask him to forgive me. And then maybe someone tells you this, maybe they add to it and they say, yeah, 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 listen. And when you confess your sins to God, he forgets it. I mean, no record. It's gone. He forgets it somehow. Don't know how it works. God gets this God amnesia. He can't even remember you sinned. So it's like, God, I did this again. And he's like, what? What do you mean again? No, that's what some people believe that. And they've said that. He, he, he has no idea. He forgets it. Which means, hmm, I can do whatever I want. I can ask God to forgive it. And it's done. It's over. That is a great system. And Paul is telling us. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself. God can't be mocked. He can't be outplayed. He can't be outsmarted. Our religious systems that we establish don't even fool God. We think we found a secret passage that gets us out of some of this irresponsibility. So maybe we do whatever we want, we live whatever way we want, irresponsible here, irresponsible there, and all I have to do is ask God to forgive me, and it's taken care of. But Paul is being clear. Don't fool yourself. You have not, and nor will you ever find, a magic verse to get you out of the trouble. Paul is saying, don't be stupid, Harley. If you don't carry your own load of responsibility, he is saying you won't get by with it forever. 
Does he forgive sin? Yes, he does. But does he deal with our sin? Yes, he does. Sometimes we have the feeling that we can, we have this sin bucket and we can go fill it up, fill it up during the week, do whatever we want during the week. And then on Sunday or, or on a Saturday or, or whenever we choose, we can just kind of go and empty that sin bucket at church and then start over and go fill it up during the week, fill it up, fill it up. As long as I get there on Sundays or whenever I can empty the sin bucket. And Paul is saying, listen, guys, don't deceive yourselves. God can't be fooled. He can't be mocked. He can't be played. God cannot be used. And then he says, so he says, handle what your responsibilities are. He says, don't forget, God can't be mocked or outplayed or used. And then he adds this, you will always harvest what you plant. And there it is. That's the principle. That's the law, just like the law of motion. This is also a law, a principle that God placed in life. It's not good or bad. It's neither. It just is. Paul is saying life is connected. Decisions that we make are like seeds that we have planted Choices we make, decisions we make, every one of them is a seed that goes into the ground. It's a choice we're making, a seed we're planting, and there will come something of that seed. Where you are today and where I am today is a direct result of the decisions that I made weeks ago or maybe a year ago, possibly years ago. Give you an example. What, don't scream this out loud. Just think about what did you weigh uh, March, February, March of 2020? And what did you weigh by June <laughs> of 2020? The quarantine turned into 16, <laughs> didn't it? 13, Maybe 20. I, I don't know. But what we did, there was an immediate result. Everything we put in, we planted, and it grew, right? <laughs> it grew. It grew. Boy, did it grow. They were seeds planted. Where you will be and where I will be in the future is a direct result, will be a direct result of what I did yesterday and what I'm going to do today. You see, there's a relationship between our current responsibilities that Paul, by the way, said, handle those, carry that load. A current relationship between our current responsibilities or our irresponsibility and what we can expect to come in the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the months to come. What I do today, what I did yesterday are seeds planted. Now, don't miss this. This is so important. Here is what Paul is not saying. He doesn't say, don't fool yourself. God's judgment can't be mocked. You harvest what you plant unless you ask forgiveness and are really, really, really sorry. He didn't say that. He said, you harvest 
what you plan. Do you hear that? Forgiveness does not erase what I planted. I get forgiveness for planting that, but it does not take the seed of that decision or choice out of the ground. It doesn't say, it doesn't say a person harvests what they plant unless they get involved in church. No. It says we're going to reap, we're going to harvest what we sow. Whether that was positive, it can work for us, or whether that was negative, where it works against us. And when we plant irresponsibility, we have this feeling somehow that, oh yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting away with irresponsibility. But we're not. And then we run into this. We run into some, and this is a good thing, we run into somebody then who begins to turn their life around and change their life, all right? And they begin to plant new seeds, better seeds, more responsible seeds. They begin taking care of their load, what they were asked to carry, their responsibilities. And then maybe though things are still going wrong for them and they're like, but I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing better. I'm doing better things. Why is this happening? And listen, we just have to pause and say, okay, great, great. You are doing better now. You are doing better now. But that doesn't erase the five years of planting that you had been already doing. Doing better now does not exterminate that crop that was already planted. Right now, that you're doing better now and things still may be off the rails, it may be because you're still in a harvest from an old season of planting. But that can leave us feeling things like, ah, oh, it doesn't work. I tried, it doesn't work. Or it might leave us feeling, God must not love me. I look at other people's lives, uh, it looks better. They had it. They may be planting some bad seeds. Look, it's still going good for them. What? what you must not love me. Wrong. He loves us so much that he told us this thousands of years ago. He let us know about this law a long time ago, and he made it fairly predictable. Every time you pick up a baseball and throw it, it will sail through the air. And every time we plant something with a decision or a choice that we have made, it will have some kind of harvest in the future. may not be today. You don't have to say, God, please, um, I want to throw this and I really need it to get that direction. No, we don't have to ask him to do it. We know it's going to happen. And we don't have to pray and ask God, please let this sail through the air. You see, when somebody plants this is called small red beans. I have no idea what a small red bean is, but I'm looking at them. And whenever someone plants a plantable small red bean, you know what's going to grow? Not watermelon. Right? It's going to grow this. If somebody plants rice, you can't plant this rice. You can only eat this rice. Every once in a while, you can find one you can plant. 
If you plant rice, it's not going to grow corn. Not going to happen, ever. You will harvest what you plant. It works for you or against you. If you want rice, plant some rice. You're going to get a bunch. If you want a cantaloupe, haven't had a good one since 1988. Don't know what happened to the cantaloupe world. If you want a cantaloupe, if you want a good one, well, just think about it. <laughs> if you want, though, one that's going to taste like today's cantaloupes, which is basically nothing, then plant a cantaloupe. It's not going to turn into a watermelon. It's not going to turn into a baseball. It's not going to turn, it's not, not it's, you, we're going to get exactly what we plant, corn, rice. It works for us. Plant what you want, plant that. Plant responsibility, plant that. And it also works against us with irresponsibility. So if we planted irresponsibility for five years, the five previous years, before we began really chasing after Jesus, great, now you are planting more responsible seeds, better seeds, great, you're doing that now, but you're still going to harvest from that crop that's already been planted. There are no exceptions. You can't wish your way out of it. You can't hope your way out of it. You can't serve your way out of it. You can't give your way out of it. It just is. This principle will work for you or it will work against you. You don't have to guess. It is predictable. You will harvest what you plant. And then Paul goes on and kind of describes what some people are planting. Verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So Paul is basically saying this, listen, plant some new seeds. You're going to plant seeds that are going to lead to death and destruction and misery. You're going to plant seeds. And please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not a teaching about health and wealth. We live in a broken world. We are still going to get sick. Every one of us in here, unless Jesus comes back first, we are going to die of some kind of sickness, illness. Our body's going to shut down. So I'm not saying if you plant seeds of health and wealth that you're never going to get sick. I'm saying we're talking about responsibility, carrying your load, taking care of what has been placed on your plate. And Paul says, listen, those seeds that have been planted are going to grow. Don't be, don't be misled. Yes, they're going to grow, but now you're planting new seeds. And here's what he says in verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of planting those new seeds. Yes, you may have some old crops that are still coming in. You might have some old crops that don't show up till later, much later, but keep planting those good seeds. Yes, you will harvest from some of those bonehead decisions, Harley, that you made here. Yes, you are going to. Those ones you planted earlier, Harley. Yes, you're going to still have some kind of harvest from that. But keep planting the new seeds. It's tough to keep planting new seeds when you're still harvesting from some old ones. You're still bringing in an old crop. 
but don't stop planting the new seeds, those better seeds, those better decisions, those wiser choices. Because guess what? Those grow too. Those grow as well. And here's what Paul finishes off with this. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up, we will. And he goes on and says, take every opportunity you have. Take every single opportunity you have to plant those seeds. Do good. Do good. Plant those seeds. Take responsibility. Every opportunity you have. Now, this comes down to what do we do with this? What do we do with this? This week, here's your next step. I, I, I want to challenge you. If you find yourself right now in a place in life that you don't like, there's a good chance, if you're anything like me, there's a good chance that you planted um, those things. And now you're har you have harvested your way all the way to this point in your life. So maybe we just need to start by just acknowledging that. Okay, yes, I, I, I can see. And some of these things are just obvious to just acknowledge it. You know, if you have purchased and purchased and spent and spent and you, you spend more than you make and you keep that up and um, spend more than you make and you're not saving, you're not, uh, you're not taking your money and saying, okay, God, this is your money. What do you want me to do with your money? And instead we're treating it like our own and it's just go sailing into our bank right out of our bank. And, and yes, of course, we, that's obvious why we might be in trouble financially now because of those irresponsible decisions there. That may be very obvious, but not everything is so obvious. Some situations are not obvious. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to take whatever chaos you have in your life right now, whatever that might be. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Okay. Whatever chaos you might have in your life, draw a big old circle. And say, everything in that circle represents the chaos that I have in my life. That's my chaos right there. That's my chaos. And then I want you to say, in this situation, whether it's a relationship with somebody else, whether it's with your children, a relationship with your children, whatever it may be, I want you to say, okay, not all of that is my fault. No one's ever, it's all their fault. Maybe only some of that is your fault, probably the case. And I need you to determine, okay, God, help me understand, what of this chaos in this relationship or at work, what is my responsibility? And draw your slice of the pie. You see, we want to focus on this. They're messed up. If they would only, if they would change this, if they would do that, we can't do anything about them. We just can't. God did not give you that job. He gave you this job. What is your responsibility in that chaos? And decide what that is. Ask God to help you figure that out and write it out here. Here's what I am responsible for. This is it. And that's going to be where you live. That's where you're going to be making new decisions, planting new seeds. What is my slice of the pie? Maybe for you, you're saying like, I, I don't like what's happening with my kids. All this chaos, I don't like what's happening with my kids. But then you get home from work and maybe you're checked out because you're so tired. You're emotionally unavailable for your family because you're exhausted. <clears throat> but you say, I don't like what's happening with my kids, the decisions they're making, what's going on. But maybe your slice of the pie is you are not available to your children. 
What is, so sometimes this is kind of hard to figure out your responsibility. What part of this chaos am I responsible for? Maybe for you, you're saying, I, I don't like what's happening in my marriage. My marriage is off the rails. I don't like what's going on. And maybe as you study, as you look, as you analyze this with God's help, you say, well, you know, when I had kids, maybe I moved the kids into the first priority of my life above my marriage even, maybe even above God. I made them the priority, the focus of my life. And now I don't like what's going on in my marriage and Maybe now you can say, okay, here's a slice of pie. I have prioritized something else over my marriage. Maybe you're in a relationship that is chaos. Just chaos. Maybe you're not married. Maybe it's, you just find yourself in, in a relationship and it's just like, oh, how did I get here? But then you start thinking about your slice of the pie and like, hmm. That person didn't suddenly change. They were like that. I, 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 the red flags were there. I just didn't pay attention to them. I kind of ignored them, thought it would be okay, thought I could change it. My responsibility is I said yes and ignored the red flags. And so maybe as we look at this, we need to start saying, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to quit making excuses I'm going to quit blaming over here, quit making excuses, and I'm going to take back my piece of the pie, my responsibility, and I'm going to, in here, start planting new seeds. Maybe that is how we start to carry our own load. Maybe that's how we start to do it. The only way to leverage this principle is for us to own our slice of the pie, to take responsibility for our lives and to begin to plant new seeds. And yes, I have been irresponsible. Yes, we have, haven't we? And those seeds have been planted. And now we might find ourselves in that chaos harvesting what we planted. But guess what? We can plant new seeds starting today. And we can do, as Paul said, don't give up. You will reap a harvest for those seeds. Keep planting those seeds, no matter what's going on right now. So this morning, let's look at our own lives and let's ask ourselves, with my life, your life, am I taking responsibility for my life? Really, am I really taking responsibility for my life? Let's pray. God, thank you for the law of the harvest. Thank you. God, may you help us understand even deeper that we can't break that law. It's there. We can only break ourselves against it. God, we ask you to help us to leverage this law that you have placed. May we leverage it for our good. God, we can't fool you. We can't outsmart you. We can't outplay you. We will harvest what we plant. 
And may you begin to help us claim responsibilities for our slice of the chaos, our part of the chaos. And God, will you help us to begin planting new seeds in our life because you have promised us a new harvest is coming. Jesus, we ask that you make this so. Amen.